The following podcast contains uncensored coarse language. Listeners are advised that some of the following content may not be appropriate for those under 15 years of age. Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week, it is the week of my birthday. And so, as we do once a year in what is now an annual tradition, I get to pick the film free of any worries about whether it's relevant or significant. It's literally just a film I really want to watch. And the film we've chosen this week is History of the World, Part one, because I think it's great. Joining me uh, are two people who may or may not agree, and that is totally okay. They'll just ruin my birthday if they don't like it. Uh, as a guest who has not seen the film, uh, it's Mr. Dean Lovett. How are you Hello. doing, Dean? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm glad there's no pressure as someone who hasn't seen this. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just glad to be along for this narcissistic ride, you know. What do you know about History of the World Part One? Uh, nothing, other than the fact that it's a Mel Brooks film. Uh, so I know obviously a bit about Mel Brooks mm-hmm. I've seen plenty of his other works um, But I've never seen this film Nor did I even know it existed until You asked me to come do this podcast Alright, so, so coming at it with Completely fresh eyes Yes, currently um, what I know about the movie Is that you can play it You can select the language mm-hmm. You can select the scenes, that's a big one uh, You could look at the theatrical trailer Or my favourite part in this DVD menu uh, You can go directly to foxmovies.com.au I'm assuming you have internet on your DVD player uh, Obviously, yeah So, um, yeah, it's so yeah, And, and also you have uh, Mel Brooks in historical garb. Oh, that's Mel Brooks That is Mel okay, Brooks Okay, so I'm used to him being old Well, yeah, I suppose I mean, this film is from the early 80s So, yeah. you know, he's, yeah. he's sort of Before my time Yes, a little. Uh, joining us as our guest who has seen the film, it's uh, Mr. Daniel the Belt Buckle. How are you hello, doing? Hello, hello. Thank you for using my wrestling stage name. Yes, and uh, Dan, you you have seen History of the World Part 1. Yeah, a few times. Um, I, I was sort of raised on a steady diet of... Uh, Mel Brooks films in my in my youth. Where do you think this film stands compared to some of the other Mel Brooks films? Things like um, Young Frankenstein and Blazing Saddles, uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, those mm. sorts of films. Well, I I would say that they they are all examples of films, whereas this one is more like um, a fever dream or. Uh, <laughs> I'll tentatively make the connection between that and Noel Fielding's luxury comedy. It's it's like a, a bizarre sketch show movie with. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you're of it selling very much. It, you're selling it very well to me at the moment. I'll take it as you will, but uh, I see it very much like um uh, like a long form improv that just keeps getting wackier and wackier. I'm mm. I'm in. Let's do it. Um, you've you've uh, you've ticked all the boxes for me. Good. 
All right. Well, for those of you who are uh, joining us in watching the film, pop in your DVDs and prepare to grab your piss boys as we prepare to watch <laughs> History of the World Part 1. What? <laughs> oh, sorry. Garçon du piss. <laughs> Why? This is... This better be in the movie, otherwise get out of my house. While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thought Jar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com Click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thought Jar Productions. That's AtlantisRadioPlay.com. And now, back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Mel Brooks's History of the World Part 1. And by we, I, of course, mean Mr. Daniel Buckle. Yo. And Mr. Dean Lovett. Hello. Can't wait for Part 2. Oh, man. It looks so good. Yeah. Uh, yes. Joining uh, myself, host Stephen Platt, on this birthday edition. Because once a year, we get to pick a film. And by we, I, of course, mean me. <laughs> you mean the royal we. Uh, yeah, the royal we. I get to pick a film just because I like uh, I like a film. Uh, Dean, I lo- <laughs> I like History of the World Part One. Did you? Um, I did. Mm. I did. Uh, it made me laugh. There were some good, clever gags. Uh, I think it's a little dated, mm-hmm. if I may be so bold. Um, but on, but that's I mean that's anything, you know. Especially comedies like you, you, um, it's hard to stay a hundred percent relevant throughout or timeless, uh, as you would say. But uh, I thought it was good. On the whole, I thought it was good. Uh, some great gags. There's definitely a few minutes I was like, oh, okay, I see where we're going with this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is my answer. Yes. Good. And Dan, of course, you, you uh, last watched this film a couple of years ago as, as a person who, who had seen the film before. How was it on a, on a repeated viewing? Uh, yeah, great. Uh, it's like listening to an old record um, in a lot of ways. And by old record, I mean an old digital format MP3 because that's what I was raised on. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'd forgotten a few things, especially a few of, as you said, Dean, the, the more dated, uh, parts, uh, to put it generously. I mean, there were some straight up sexist and homophobic, yeah. um, mm. moments that are just like well, awful. Uh, but like, okay. So if I may, you the, may, so there's some stuff that I'll bring up later. Cause I just didn't think that was on. Um, but there was like the, his, it wasn't, okay. So he's, uh, Caesar's, um, Right-hand man, or whatever you want to call it. What, what, what would you call him? How would you describe that character? Um, kind of like a, an attendant. He's attendant, right? Uh, very camp. Extremely mm. camp. Obviously designed to be a caricature. Uh, and I was a bit... Mm, it was a bit... Mm, but it was funny. So I was on board until he just outright dropped the F-bomb. Mm. And I was like, mm, okay, all right. Cool. It's yeah. no longer in good fun anymore. It's now kind of a bit... Yeah, you checked out at that point. On that joke. Yeah. Well, I think it's an important thing to raise because I, I haven't watched this film for quite a few years and I, I first saw it as like a 12, 13-year-old and I mm. sort of feel that's where a lot of the humour is, is aimed. Mm. It, it It is somewhat immature. It is... The thing I respect about Mel Brooks as a comedian is he's not afraid to not only 
do the lowest common denominator joke, mm. but to embrace it. They're, because, but it's not all lowest common denominator stuff. Like some of the sign work they have are really, are really fantastic. Some of the wordplay is great, but occasionally they will just go for the most obvious joke and they'll really lean into it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And I think yeah. it's perfectly acceptable. I mean, as someone who does comedy themselves, mm. like if a joke gets a laugh, why not do it? Yeah. You know, there's no, in my opinion, there's no such thing as good yeah. or bad jokes. Uh, in that regard, obviously yeah. there is always just not well written jokes. Yeah, I did find though rewatching this for the first time in quite a few years. Yeah, this is a this is a bit more um, homophobic and sexist than than I recall. I previously. would say it's quite sexist. Yeah, it's I, yeah. I mean, not, not that it's a um, an ism measuring contest, but I think there's more sexism no. than than um, no uh, homophobic. Well, well, the homophobia was not a lot of it, but I'd it was say, there. Yeah, and I'd also say the sexism in my mind was um, they weren't aware of it in a lot of ways. Um, I think it was a product of the time and I think there was a lot of moments in there I was like, mm, okay, that's just how it kind of was. So what specifically struck out as being um, quite, quite sexist? Well, obviously you could point out that there's no real... Well, there's maybe two women... Um, in the entire movie that have any sort of objectivity. Um, uh, Madeleine Kahn's Empress and... Um, and perhaps our French revolutionary. Yeah, uh, Clarice Leachman, who plays... Uh, uh, the great. Death to King oh, Louis! A um, little, little mole. Yeah. Um, the rest were all very much objects to be acted upon. Um, and mm. there was that classic trope of the main... Or, in this case, the literal definition of an author insert, yeah. which was Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks playing Mel Brooks in a Mel Brooks film, yeah. um, had to have a damsel of some kind who they couldn't... That was a bit... Especially at the end when they brought back the character, I was like, they couldn't even bring back the same girl and just have her reprise a role or something? Um, yeah. Mm. No, I, I totally get what you mean. I mean, you know, the, the there are two damsels in distress in this film, although mm. one of them is the sort of... Um, peppy helpful vestal virgin who you who know, immediately falls for him without for him. any even in spite the fact that she's clearly i want to say mid-20s to early 20s she's a good couple of decades younger and than he is at the, what at this time at least 40s he'd be in his 50s because this is 81 yeah. so yeah he'd be in his 50s really uh, yeah. oh wow he, and well, even, he's still knocking around he's 91 you know, yeah. uh and and this is very again it, it, this is why i would kind of I would I would move on beyond it because it was a product of his time. But like the the it's good to be king joke, um, which he repeated multiple times, which he set up for that final one of him going, "Oh, it's good to be king" with a goofy. Mm. Um, I appreciate that, but I'm also like, oh yeah, men in power can do whatever they want to women. You know, yeah. In this day and age, that it, just yeah. rubbed me the wrong way. I, I uh, you know what? it it did me as well because I you know it's good to be the king is one of the like. There's so many brilliant quotable lines that came from Mel Brooks films. The fact that, you know, obviously later in Robin Hood, Men in Tights, they quote this film with, with right. the king going, it's good to be the king. Um, right, okay. But with, um, yeah, the fact, I think for me, the fact that it was as King Louis the Sixteenth, so he's playing someone who, you know, historically was a... Yes, and they did establish him as a, a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, was a bit, and was definitely a baddie in this situation. Mm, who sadly never got his carpets. But it was very much... Um, I thought I felt uh, I don't know if you agree, Dan. I felt it was a bit heavy on the um, yeah. The like, joke was yeah. established, and then um, it got used a couple more yeah. times. And yeah, I don't think it, it needed to. And a couple of them felt like they were more for Mel Brooks than they yes. were for yeah. yes. I, I got that impression as well. I was a bit like oh, 
author insert wants mm. to Quite literally write a scene case. where he motorboats a young lady, you mm. know, like... Mm. Yeah. Although but, eating the grape off a wig was good. Like that, that was funny. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's just the grape thing is wig, like fine. Yeah, and and that, that's just the thing. It's like the, the, it, it is interesting that this film is almost forty years old now. Um, but it you know follows in a tradition of these these almost sort of like uh, vaudevillian stage mm. comedies. Very carry on as well. Yeah, and yes, it, it's interesting. Yes, it's interesting yes. to see that looking at the film, a lot of the other jokes haven't dated in that sense mm. but that treatment of the women in this yes. film it feels super dated it doesn't feel like this mm. film came out in 1981 almost yeah uh, uh, yeah and i think that's uh, there's a lot of reasons behind that i'd say in my mind the, the characters that we really enjoyed the female characters we really enjoyed were the ones that he gave jokes to yeah and unfortunately the, they got less stage time than you know his his female counterpart in both of the two extended sequences uh it was just straight. Like they didn't even try to give her a joke. Yeah. Which I, I'm like, come on, give her, a, give it a chance. Mm. I, I think a lot of that was um, meant to be perhaps a parody of just the narrative structure of. Yeah. Like he even said at the end, "Oh, we're coming to the end, so we've got a kiss." Mm. Uh, I, I think maybe a lot of that was a deliberate sort of a gag on how how the tropes are usually played. Uh, not not apologizing for it. it. I'm I'm just saying that I think that was maybe the, the uh, intent. Yeah, mm, I can uh, see that. I just like I, it's just yeah. It, it, if that was the case, he needed to lean into it more. True, but also as I, much as I, I hesitate to tell Mel Brooks how to write comedy. Yeah, I also don't think that you know when they're making this film in 1980, they're not yes. thinking, oh gee, in about 40 years' time, there's going to be a, a lot of different opinions on on how we treat each other socially. Yes. And, so. and and that's kind of it. it. It is at the end of the day, I would say none of it's particularly mean spirited. Um, yeah, with with the exception of the bit where Dom DeLuise literally says, "What next?" Yeah, to um, that was to to the attendant. Like, I don't know if that was meant to be self-referential, or that was meant to be them being like, "We're what? just going to lean into it so heavy." Caesar was presented. The person who presents that line was mm. presented in a very negative light. Yes, but then just after that, um, uh, Mel Brooks' character, who was the hero in that part of the story, um, used it as well. Mm. Uh, it's like, oh, he gets it. Yeah. So it's mm. yeah, it's an interesting. It's it's interesting to look at it because it, it, it has had an impact on what is, to be honest, just a very silly comedy. Mm. Like like, and it's it's it, and it is interesting that I, I feel like we've started on these bits because I think we all felt it watch, well, watching it as well. Yes, and in a lot of ways, I also wanted to talk about this so we could get it out of the way because I don't think this, as long as you accept it, it's a product of its time. I don't think this uh, takes too much away from the film. Mm. Um, it is the reality. Mm. Um, most films coming out at the time would have would suffer from similar things just I'd say the difference is that comedy is so much more um, overt in the way it presents things mm. as opposed to you know a more serious piece that it, it just it's really on the surface the yeah. kind of humour and comedy you yeah. know uh, one of the things that I think they did quite well in terms of jokes uh, to do specifically jokes that were written to do with gender mm. uh, away from the way that they the, the, they portrayed the treatment of, of women in some of these things was that there were good jokes going um, two ways across that that binary gender spectrum hmm. that they presented. Like you had Madeleine Kahn, who can I just say I I, I love Madeleine Kahn oh, so much, great. and it's just so lovely to to see her just acting up a storm as this gum chewing. <laughs> I loved I love that she came out, and that's yeah. like. <laughs> Especially, I, I love it when you give someone something subtle, like her chewing gum, mm. 
and the second she came out, we saw her chewing gum. We knew everything we needed to know about her character. Yeah. And I just thought, I love it when they make choices like that. And the thing I really loved, though, was that they gave her a lot of jokes about her being in a position of power over men. So, like, she's constantly... Yes belittling the general that's clearly in love with her mm. that's having an affair with her she you know she has the literal parade of like pantsless yeah. roman soldiers yeah penis yes parade. let's call it what it is yeah what's that penis parade penis parade yeah yes yes <laughs> uh, a whole bunch of roman <laughs> was, columns to pick from yeah what was, <laughs> what was the uh the joke about the particular um military march quick march i love quick type <laughs> yeah <laughs> quick step <laughs> and they all kind of go i love that one yeah and, um, yeah and just then, you know you've made a lot of very big decisions there like yeah I, re- I did like that that was they, they, they did some of that and particularly just getting yeah. her, and getting her to go yes no 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 <laughs> yes, yes no, um, no no but then that's, that's it like, that yeah. was very good and then that gets followed up immediately when other Roman soldiers come in with the virgins put on your no entry signs and they yeah. put little no entry <laughs> yeah. signs uh, on the waistline I guess that's it I guess it's like when it's tit for tat you know mm. it's far more acceptable I yeah guess. I, yeah I feel as though different because it's such a, a a weird movie in that it's it's mm. five different historical periods and they're obviously yes. all shot very differently that you have like i feel as though the even though we had um the vestal virgin who was particularly just kind of like a mary sue who wasn't really doing anything yeah um she just kind of showed up in a scene and was and was young in, and pretty in, and inextricably linked to the main character plot yeah. device yeah um but i i feel as though they did a better treatment of those sort of jokes as opposed to the french revolution where you had uh, not only King Louis yeah. um, ordering all his chess pieces and then shouting "gang bang," uh, but yes, you, you also had, some, you, mm-hmm. you also had Count de Monet. Um, yeah, heart heart. Count de Monet. Yeah, Count sorry, de Monet. De Monet. That's de Monet. Yes, he um, said it himself. Uh, having him chase around um, Mademoiselle Rambeau, but again, get but got comeuppance from that. Yeah, like I, he broke a tooth and then fell off a balcony. Yeah, maybe it was that's very what that was missing. It was missing a strong female. Yeah. Um, or, so the, the present strong female. Yeah, there was a very present um, awesome Wells though with his uh, narration. <laughs> in, I, I forgot all about him. Yeah, in, help me out. Awesome Wells is the narrator. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all that right. that very distinct voice, Matt, which Ellen was picked up on in the early years of the history of Time Part One. Yeah, that we, uh, watched we would eyes. we would see six uh, Homo erectuses masturbating to start a film, <laughs> which again mm. I think oh. tells you everything you need to know. I mm, were they masturbating? They, or were they just punching themselves in the crotch repeatedly? I, isn't that how you do it? <laughs> we'll have a chat after this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've got some we've got some uh, diagrams we can show you. But um, the yeah it, it, yeah because the joke is that Homo erectus. That's okay, and also like it's it undermines this like grand history narrative. Yes, yes. it's a it's a is, misdirect. It's yeah. the grand majesty as soon of evolution. As, yeah, and as soon followed as, up by no, we're base animals. Yeah, because uh, as soon as they start like punching themselves in the crotch, forward slash masturbating. Yeah, um, you, just, you just have the the title card of our forefathers comes mm, yes. up, which just undercuts it beautifully. Yes, and it's very much like yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, we have um, obviously then we go to the Stone Age, which is uh, very much just Orson Welles narrating a bunch of visual comedy. <laughs> yes. Um, what, what did you think of that bit, Dean? Ah, oh, that was great. Um, I don't know if every joke landed, but again. See, okay, so this is one of the things with watching older comedies. You don't know if a joke w- was them or if it's something As in if they were first to do it. Yes, or or at least among the first, mm. you know. I mean, you know, a phys- bit of physical comedy is has always been around, but the way you do it or the, 
uh, that kind of thing. Um, so there's some that didn't land for me, but there's some that I like. You know, the art critic one was obviously mm. they they that was very. That was I. Lo- I love a self-indulgent joke because even if the audience doesn't laugh, you can tell the writer is enjoying it. So yeah. you kind of enjoy it by proxy, almost. You <laughs> know, mm. um, no, there's some there's good ones in there. Well, they didn't all land, but generally, Dan, the uh, Stone Age period. Um, it uh, it reminded me very much. The whole film did, uh, but that that first part in particular reminded me very much of. Um, like a high school sketch show, live sketch show. Um, uh, yep, yep. Where they've just uh, taken all the high schoolers' ideas and gone, okay, cool, we'll give you like a significant film budget for that. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. I, for me, I, I think it's like that and the um, the very good uh, Moses joke. I'm sort of just waiting for them to... <laughs> I, I am sort of just that's waiting for them to, to finish so that we can get to the Roman Empire bit because I think... Those set pieces of the Roman Empire, the Spanish Inquisition is like a little chaser. I want to know what the other five commandments are. <laughs> um, well, it's coming up in the trivia. Uh, is it? it so they were, they, they were, what? They were... Yeah. Oh, yeah. When we get to the Ooh. trivia, I'll be able to tell you uh, what they nice. were. So uh, stay tuned, folks. Okay. Uh, but yeah. I, no, I, that was a nice joke. Yeah. It was, it was a good joke. And it was nice seeing, you know, Mel Brooks doing a bit of Moses, which was and, fun. Uh, he played him up as very Mel Brooks, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the... But the the Stone Age thing is sort of just like okay, we're sort of it's almost just sort of like the the warm up act for the first proper mm. bit of of the yes, show. the pacing was interesting. Uh, it, it was very much like, gosh, it was like short, short, short ish, and then suddenly like an entire narrative, and then you were like, oh, are they going to fit more in here? And mm. yeah, it was it was the way the structure was interesting. Yeah, and then obviously we get to the the Roman Empire. Um, I love that section they just it's 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 the it's the sort of the main chunk of the film mm. and they they obviously just jam-packed it with as many great humorous setup bits as they could yes. um you know the fact that they get disguised first as, first served first come yeah the orgy the sign orgy slash yeah feast yeah um i love the little hugh hefner cameo i've invented something it's called the centerfold mm. um my favorite is just the guy in the in the market stall plumbing plumbing new wonder of the world moves water around pipe the shit right out of your house <laughs> i i love the nothing i have nothing for sale yeah. absolutely it nothing. was it was a good es- i actually like that joke because it was a good example of an escalation mm. like because <laughs> we started with you know apple cores and you're like yeah mm. I get it. It's not that funny. You know, dead rats. Oh, okay. Interesting. Not that funny. And then they just took it to that natural conclusion of nothing. Mm. (laughs) Literally nothing. You're like, oh, okay. And I liked they used, because they used those things to show the desperation of the French Revolution setting. Mm. But they also used that similar setup to show the, the burgeoning civilization that was the ancient rome setting yes. so you have the the plumbing guy mm. um we see the job center columns. <laughs> yeah columns uh, the job center with b I, I like the what is it the um vx sense store yeah the, the five and dime store yeah. the, the v and x yeah very good yeah so yeah there's jokes like that and then there's there's jokes about um Penises. Penises. Or, or, or even just things like uh, Madeleine Kahn shouting at the soldiers, can you step on the same foot at the same time? My tits are falling off. It's just it, it's just full of genuinely, fantastically funny moments by and lots of great cameos, like Dom DeLuise's Caesar mm. is superb. Right. Okay, that's who it was. Okay, yeah. yeah. Caesar was great. Yeah, just... I, they just... So gross. Uh, yeah, and I, I, what I'll say to his credit is 
sometimes when there's some la- like they did a few lazy ones where it's like oh belch and fart and mm-hmm. what have you hey, um farts are good um yeah to an extent uh when they work they work i'll give you that um but like they didn't lean on that like you could see he was on and he was being gross mm. and drunk and whatever it was the entire time even when he had nothing to say you could see his character was like visibly mm. In some way, and I just I thought oh, just yeah. watching him, I was like, Ugh. yeah, and just like just little things like one of the one of the because I think this might be one of the most quotable films uh, around. Mm. Just things like the nice, nice, not thrilling, <laughs> but nice. What about have this washed? Yeah, yeah, wash uh, this. <laughs> yeah, they come back to it with an entire. Yeah, coat. it's um, I, I think that the, the the use of language and the way they do those jokes works in in two very excellent ways. Obviously, the way it's been written by by Mel Brooks has mm. has come across really well. But then it's it's getting in those fantastic performers to deliver it. Um, yeah. get, you know, get, trusting it with someone like a Dom DeLuise or a Madeleine Kahn or Sid Caesar when he's doing his stuff. It's it's just fan. It's just so much fun. Like, I mean, they have yeah. Spike Milligan for like yeah. five minutes. He's um, he's uh, Monsieur Rimbaud, the one that was uh, locked away in the French Revolution. The lady's town. wife, um, wife, um, dad, dad. Yeah, that. And, and I don't think he. I don't know if he had lines or not. I feel as though. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the totally. Dead yeah. Birds. yeah. This gave him a bunch of props, and he just went to town. Yeah, yeah. It, was like... it, it all feels like that with the cameos. Like they just got in um, these performers, and as you say, trusted them to. To have fun, it, it feels like a, like it was a very fun shoot process. Yeah, and like you can imagine, even um, getting in um, Harvey Corman, um, bringing Ooh. him back. Uh, he's Count de Monet. Ah, sorry, ah, oh, yeah, de Manny, yeah. de Manny, um, <laughs> de Manet, yes. um, and re- almost and again repeating that joke from Blazing Saddles as well, <laughs> um, where he has. Um, I can't remember the name now. What's his, what's his name? Uh, Head. Hedy, yeah. no, Hedley Lamar. Hedley Lamar. Everyone he, calls him Hedy Lamar. Lamar. That's yes, what it is. Hedley, Hedley. It's Hedley. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a nice homage to what had come before. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Roman stuff was really fun. Mm. It's interesting. It, obviously, it came out a couple of years after Life of Brian. Did oh, it? did it? Yeah, it came oh. out two years after okay. Life of Brian, which, of course, is the Pythons doing. Mm. Not the same thing, but a very similar thing, playing yeah. with the Roman setting. I feel as though, obviously... Life of Brian probably did it better. Oh, that's a high it's apples high and oranges. Bar. It's yeah. apples and oranges, though. But I, I felt there was a lot of really good stuff in this. Um, and obviously, Life of Brian was very much focused on the Jesus story, whereas this kind of lightly touched on it at the end and was more focused <laughs> on just being a stand-up philosopher. Um, did you bullshit last week? Did you try to bullshit last week? Like, I'm a gladiator. Did you kill last week? No. Did you try to kill? Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, if you don't kill someone this week, we're going to have to change your job. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And again, just lots of really good little cameos. I love Josephus, um, you know, doing his little Sandman shuffle. Oh, I think yes, he had yes. quite a lot of good one-liners. Um, yeah, they used him quite well. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a nice, uh, good, fun, uh, silly performance. Mm. Uh, Gregory Hines as, uh, as the Ethiopian slave from uh, yeah, 125th Street. The, uh... The performer, the actor. Um, well, he was orig- originally that role was for Richard Pryor, mm. um, but okay. he was unable to fulfil it, um, so they they had to replace him last minute, and they brought in Gregory Hines, and he did a great job. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't uh, like. So I'm just reminded of the uh, the when they're running away, the chase scene. <laughs> 
the wee joke, basically. No, where he makes a giant blunt. Yeah, I was like not on board until I realized what they were doing with it. Mm. Uh, I was like, oh, really? Like, do we have to have the one, you know... Oh, right. The mm. one black character run for, for weed? And then I was like, oh, no, I see what you're doing. Mm. Okay, good stuff. It feels the Mel Brooks may have unearthed some preconceptions you might i think so i'm i'm clearly i've got my cynicism uh my cynicism is showing yeah but i mean that's a that's a fair thing to to think and i think it also shows that they weren't unaware of those sorts of things like i and like i always think mel brooks has written reasonably well for his black characters i say as as a white person but i i i i I always feel as though they're not he very rarely or if ever writes them to be made fun of they are often aware of making the jokes within the world well yeah and i think to a certain extent and one of the things i'd say mel brooks does that a lot of comedians uh, really good comedians do is they ignore a lot of that stuff mm. they don't sit there and think oh how can i avoid this how can i do that they just go i'm going to write something that's funny because if mm. it's funny it's normally okay yeah did, did we have a particular thing from the Roman se- sequences that we enjoyed the most? The like orgy a... slash buffet <laughs> sign uh, definitely got me. I, I even made a comment. I'm like, yeah, all right, he's good at sign comedy. Mm. Uh, Dan? Um, probably just Madeline Kahn. Uh, that was great. She was great. Um, no, uh, I... Actually, um, I realized through that section that I always, whenever I watch this film, think it's a lot longer than it is. Mm. And I, I even it checked my long. phone a few times throughout it because I thought, oh, wow, this has gone on ages. Um, How long is it? Because uh, It's it, like an hour it, and a half, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a 90 minute. Because it felt oh. long to me as well. Mm. Mm. Like, I, I was like, oh, is this, what, two hours or something? Yeah, mm. I think the um, separate stories where they all have more or less kind of endings um so you see like what is it four or five different Te- technically we go to five periods but yeah. moses mm. is like two minutes if that yeah uh but <laughs> maybe maybe that sh- stretched out my time but i i found myself looking at the clock a few bit a few times especially during the roman one mm. the the second appearance of moses i really enjoyed <laughs> oh loved it <laughs> yeah and the, and at the end when you like because it, it starts off as a silly gag mm. it's like oh here's moses he'll part the sea and that'll help him escape and you're like Okay, that's silly. It probably it's probably not a hundred percent joke, but it's a fun one. Uh, <laughs> to, to reveal that the only reason he's done it is because he's being st- stuck up. Yeah, and like, keep him up. <laughs> like, I was just like, all right, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. And again, uh, l- another lovely cameo: John Hurt playing uh, the role of was Jesus it? Christ. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Jesus. I missed, I missed all the cameos. Mm. Well, in fairness, there was you know a lot of facial hair and, and makeup. <laughs> yeah, so. a lot of a lot of makeup. Mm. <laughs> Uh, what is it? You ate your raisins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You ate yours. These are mine. Don't get saucy with me, Bernays. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's such a good <laughs> like, yeah. call him Bernays. Yeah. Ah, good stuff. Oh, it's yeah, it's tremendous fun. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition. Ding. Ah. Oh, great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just fun. An eight-minute um, musical sequence that cost over a million dollars. Did it? Yeah. Did, wow. Did it? Uh, well, the set alone was a million dollars. Was it worth yeah. it? Um. I would argue, yes. Hmm. It was a great scene. And, hmm. and I, I like it, especially around this time period as they were moving away from a lot of that old school... Um, musical comedy. Musical comedy, uh, big set piece movies, you know, like uh, with fabricated sets and, you know, 
Um, I like that they're just like, no, nah, we're going right back to it. We're going to lean hmm. into it. Hmm. And it absolutely... as as So I'm not familiar with a lot of Mel Brooks stuff, as we've discussed. I've hmm. obviously not seen most of his most popular movies. I know of him, uh, and I love the producers. Hmm. Uh, as someone who literally, uh, when given the chance to do a music theater piece in high school, I chose Springtime for Hitler. Hmm. <laughs> and I saw a lot of Springtime for Hitler in this. Yeah. Like, hmm. just the, the way that they just kind of... Um, the pageantry they gave to something that, that is arguably so dark. Yeah. Uh, it's just, that's Mel Brooks. Yeah. Uh, in, Mel Brooks in, in so many ways. Um, I, I've always loved the Spanish Inquisition song mm. and it's, it's one which I'm pretty sure it's, it's on my phone in my music. It's, yeah. It's, it's stuck in my head. All yeah. Time. And it's just, it's so delightful and playful. And again, playing those macabre themes. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, sending in the nuns, and it's it, it just every, everything elevates. You, uh, that was a good one, actually, because I was like, the second the nuns came in, I was like, they're gonna do something sexy, right? Mm. Uh, and you, were, uh, so I kind of went, oh, I, I know where this is going, and then you immediately responded with, "Do you?" <laughs> as the pool is revealed, and I'm like, I guess I don't. <laughs> yeah, and that's the lo- that was the really lovely thing is you know it starts off very dark, and you have the brilliant. Let's face it, you can't talk him out of anything line. Um, and then yeah, this lovely show tune. They bring in the that that the monks are wearing tights. We see um, yeah. the the prisoners joining in with the no 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 no. Uh, it's just a really lovely thing, and I think it encapsulates a lot of when Mel Brooks is at his best. Mm. He really does these things well he's a showman yeah he's a very good showman yeah he's you know and he's, he's just tremendously good fun and i think the spanish inquisition is just i would say it's required viewing comedically i, I would say yeah it's it's um spoken, yeah i guess so uh spoken like someone who wants to write a musical <laughs> uh, hmm, we might get to that one day uh but yeah it's um yeah i, I just think it's very well put together mm. yes it is. It, it's um very it's very much like when when kids joke about torture and death or something. Uh, how it, it, the kid version of death and torture is funny, whereas the reality is yeah. is not. Um, and I really like how Mel Brooks can, and especially here, uh, make that sh- child version of of death and violence yeah. accessible to adults. Hmm. Like just just little things like um, him in the Iron Maiden when yeah. it swings back out. Oh yeah, yeah. Just the well, the they that there was a whole montage there of him just with a a big cheesy grin, grin big yeah. cheesy grin on his face, and it was just like, "Here's me, cut, 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 cut," all just next to people getting tortured and bad things happening, mm-hmm. and it just worked. But also, I think the nice thing about that is it was showing like, ah, we're all just joking around because you know he was like shaking hands with the people that he'd been torturing quote yes. unquote um yeah it's it's just tremendously good fun and um again really just wonderful lyrical play mm. um i just got back from an order de fay order de fay what's an order de fay it's what you oughtn't to do but you do anyway ah <laughs> oh, it's just beautiful <laughs> and then yeah the french revolution uh we you know we have nothing for sale we have cloris leachman trying to uh, instigate the revolution um death to king would you, <laughs> if you had to, would you yep. say that that's the weakest part? I think the caveman bit's the weakest part, yeah. but I would say that yeah. I, I would say that this, I'd say the French Revolution bit feels, it's a bit, it, it is weaker than the Roman bit. It's weaker the than the Spanish Inquisition. The, the setup's good, uh, but I almost feel as though 
I feel with both the Roman bit and this bit, I feel as though these are both ideas for films which they just couldn't make into... and They couldn't make enough yeah. material from to make a film, mm. so they put them together in this film. And okay. in a way presented just the best bits of these ideas. The the whole, um, you know, the double uh, of the king idea... Um, I, yeah, I, th- I, I yeah. actually personally, I wanted to see that done. I want to see them do a little bit more than that. Yeah. But it felt like we finally got to the switch, mm-hmm. and then it was just like cut, cut, cut. Yeah, but I, I also just think it's maybe not as funny that bit. But there are, but again, there are brilliant bits. You know that you look like the piss boy, and you look like a bucket of shit. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, there's still lots of good quality moments there. But I also think that you you're starting to get a little bit of maybe joke fatigue at that point yeah just, yeah, be- yeah. just because we're not yeah. following the same characters either mm. and that happens yeah uh very much so in, in any comedy yeah I, to be honest I, I do think this film peaks at the spanish inquisition i think so yeah <laughs> and i guess you know and it's fun that they brought it back at the end uh well with, with miracle the horse yeah well, yeah we need a miracle the second he said we need a miracle i was like oh the horse is gonna show up yeah and um, having josephus in there yeah. movies is magic baby <laughs> yeah, movies is magic uh, and like the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, it's just a cart. Why is no one stopping them from, mm. he just, uh, you know, takes the thing off his head and pulls his head out of the guillotine, a guillotine, I should say, mm. and then just moves to get in. And there's a guy with a rifle behind him. I'm like, what? and then I think it was, was it you, Dan? He said, oh, they're all just so shocked <laughs> by what's happened. Mm. Yeah. It's, I mean, ultimately I think, I think it's just, it's fun. And like, it's, yeah. it's a 90 minute film. I don't think it overstays its welcome. Um, it's got a lot of brilliant one-liner jokes or visual jokes, like the streets are crawling with soldiers. Look, um, you know, and the, they are crawling. Yeah, yeah. the the um, that means two things. Yeah, the you know the Roman senators with the um, do we give housing to the poor? <laughs> Fuck, Fuck the, the poor. poor. Good, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like again, it has those moments that make you laugh. When they're all walking in, talking in Latin. Yeah. Uh, what does he say? Oh shit! I forgot. Uh, it, 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 yeah, like ipso facto, um, and then something, something uh, Latin, sick, Latin, Latin. sick, sick Gloria. I didn't know Gloria yeah. was sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one. yeah it, and okay, Sorry. so, and, and it, I, I, even though there are bits of it which which have dated, I feel as though there is still enough humour there for us to enjoy. Yeah. I, I think it is. I think it's well done. I think uh, Dan, to go back to this time last year, you were on the birthday episode as well. Comparing this film to Aeroplane. Actually, Aeroplane. yeah. They, yeah. Are, they are very, uh, very much of a theme, of I course. I like my coffee like I like my men. <laughs> In a paper mm. cup. Tall and dark. Yeah. It's, um... Yeah, it, it, they, they are kind of similar. Yeah, in, they're very much farces. Uh, and just big um, roller coasters of fun and stupidity, which I love. Mm. But I feel as though, again, there were bits of Aeroplane which which had dated. Oh, very much so, of course. Uh, um, weirdly, I feel this film has dated a bit more. I, I, I don't know. Do you think that's because Mel Brooks himself was the writer and producer and actor and everything saying all these stuff? So it sounded... It, it had to pass through less other people for him to get it in? Possibly, you know I mean? yeah. Mm. Possibly, yeah. It's one of those things that... Um, yeah, like, like I, I, and I am aware that I've picked quite absurd early 80s comedies for both of my birthday films. I think it's an enjoyable film, but it has, it is starting to show its age a bit. Mm. And, and again, having now, having, like now wa- having now watched it, I don't feel mm. as though I need to rewatch this film in the next couple of years. 
Yeah, I hear yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's always the risk of, especially if something is so, so iconic and something you enjoyed so much back in the day, you go back and you're like, oh. Mm. Would you guys like some trivia about... Yes! What are the five commandments? In the Old Testament segment, the writing on the tablets um, are the two correct... Uh, the, sorry, are the correct two-word Hebrew versions of the commandments. Don't okay. kill, don't steal, etc. The five more don'ts on the third tablet that Moses accidentally drops are... Actually, you know what? I'm going to let you guess one each. What do you think would be one of the 15 commandments? Okay, first of all, are they comedic? Um... Some are, some are not. Okay. Do we get a point if we get one right? Yes, you may get a point in this one and one time only game uh, of oh, <laughs> what's, what's on the win. commandments. Uh, Hebrew. He- Hebrew? Who- Hebrew? Go on, Dean. No, that was. Not I think bad. Dan might have just forfeit. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, don't watch. Don't watch. Okay. Don't watch. Is not one of them. Uh, they are don't impregnate, <laughs> don't laugh, <laughs> don't buy, and don't break. Oh. I was on the right path. Yeah, there was. Um, there were also the don't f- break's a good one. Yeah, the fourth commandment uh, on that list was uh, made the sounds T L R T, but wasn't actually a word in Hebrew, so it could have just been a production mistake. But so I love be, that. Could be Hebrew then. Yeah, that could be Hebrew. <laughs> so we were both on the right track. <laughs> I love that. Um, it's it's filled with so many. Dumb jokes that mm. are just idiotic, mm. uh, but then they go to the trouble of doing uh, mostly correct um, translated words on those stone tablets and mm. making sure two of them are the actual commandments. I love mm. that though. That just shows that as much as they don't shy away from an easy or a silly or a dumb joke, they're also clever. When, yeah. you know, like it's just good comedy. In the Jews in Space section at the end of the film, um... <laughs> go on. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that's a good sentence. Underneath the uh, turret guns that are firing is the uh, is Hebrew writing, and it says kosher. <laughs> <laughs> kosher lasers. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we, we didn't discuss it before, but I think my favorite bit Ugh. of the entire film is coming in History of the World Part 2. Hitler on ice. Yeah, just as a, as a mm. visual. Oh, man. As a visual gag, yeah. it's an incredible dance. Just, <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. Yeah, just dressing up a professional ice skater as Hitler and make them do a routine. It's Would have been an interesting casting call. Given that. Yeah, so simple, but so, so funny. Wanted Hitler lookalike. Must be proficient in ice dancing. Mm. Has that come through anyone's agencies lately? Uh, just now, really. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'm freelance, so I've got to make that work myself. Yeah. And I'm not bold enough for that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, the music used in the Jews in Space segment was later recycled in uh, Men in Tights uh, for the actual Men in Tights number uh, in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I can hear that. We're Jews. We're Jews in space. Tights. Space. Space. <laughs> uh, according to Mel Brooks, the Moses scene was a last minute addition. Uh, quote, sometimes you will get very lucky and the set will give you ideas for jokes, oh. uh, he said in a 2012 interview with the Directors Guild of America. One day he was gazing out at the scenery that had been built for the caveman segments and then he uh, thought, where do we go from here? Um, he was heading in the sh- to the shoot. His plan was to skip the Bible and go straight to Rome. But then he realized that the, the Stone Age setting, they could make a few minor alterations and do Moses on top of the mountain. And that was a good call because, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that was easily the best joke they made on that set. <laughs> Whoa. 
Shots fired. Look, I, I, I've, as, that's a good joke. Yeah, it's a good joke. The caveman section is fine, but it is a bit of a soft open for the rest of the film. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. At least in my humble opinion. A couple of days before the movie premiered in theatres, Mel Brooks was interviewed by the New York Times and uh, mentioned the possibility of a sequel. He was asked, will there be a History of the World Part 2? And he (laughs) responded, no, maybe a Part 4, but never a Part (laughs) 2. Hey, good old Brooksy. Beforehand, it was agreed that Orson Welles, who was narrating in this film, would receive $5,000 per day in exchange for his services, figuring that they'd have to spend five eight-hour days um, recording and re-recording the lines. Mel Brooks paid him $25,000 up front, but Welles managed to do everything to perfection by lunchtime on the first day. Um, Who's this? (laughs) Orson Welles. So Mel Brooks paid him up front for five five days' worth of money, and Orson Welles did it all in half a day. What? And you're too good for your own good. Yeah. So <laughs> Mel Brooks was like, oh, my God, I could have just paid you $5,000. Uh, and then asked Wells how he was planning to spend the bounty. What do you think late in his life, awesome Wells would spend $25,000 on? Um, something edible. <laughs> booze. Oh, man. Uh, edible booze. Cuban cigars ah, nah, and oh. Sevruga caviar. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Orson. Yeah. yeah he, he did not uh, play against type. <laughs> no, why would you? Um, John Hurt did this film because he'd just gotten through doing two very dramatic movies and wanted to do something fun. And he was playing a straight man. Yeah. Uh, he just he literally just finished doing uh, The Elephant Man, which was produced by Mel Brooks. Oh, wow. Yeah, so oh, it's that era in John Hurt's career. Oh. Mel Brooks had doubts about the Spanish Inquisition number. Um, I don't know how audiences are going to react to the, to the sequence. Um, when He said that... Um, Trying to get a laugh out of any scene that involved, quote, Jews on racks could be very dangerous. He later admitted, I got a lot of write-ins from rabbis. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll bet. I mean... It worked. I don't think any of us here are, are Jewish. No. Technically, it's in my family, but no. No. But I feel as though, again, Mel, Mel Brooks always has jokes involving Jews in his yeah. films. And my feeling as a non-Jewish person is that I feel as though he does them quite respectfully in the sense that, and, you know, and, you know and he, he does have that little bit of, I am Jewish. I can make these yes. jokes. Uh, there's a, there's, I would say there's a big part of that, which is like, Oh, yeah. I can make this joke. Cause that's yeah. my background, you know? Yeah. Like I feel as though like J- Jewish characters are made fun of Jewish, uh, law, Jewish traditions are made fun of, but I don't think they're ever done in like a vindictive anti-Semitic no. way. And I think that's it, isn't it? It's it's, uh, it's self-deprecating humour. Uh, but also, I would say, in that particular scene, it's so ridiculous. It's so over the top. It's so uh, full of pageantry mm. that the joke becomes just that, you mm. know. Uh, they're just doing so much, so much happiness and life and fun out of... A subject matter that is so dark, mm. uh, and I think ultimately that is the joke. Like that's mm. the extended joke of the scene. Mm. Gallows humor, Iron yeah. Maiden humor. Mm. Yeah. The movie's title is a play on the History of the World, Volume One, written by Sir Walter Raleigh. Oh. Uh, the History of the World was a book about the ancient history of Greece and Rome, written by Sir Walter Raleigh while uh, he was a prisoner in the Tower of London. Right. He only managed to complete the first volume yes. before he was beheaded. Oh, that's. Which, That'll do it. Funny. Mm. <laughs> well, I think that might be why Mel Brooks threw in the part one, <laughs> just oh, to go. Okay. This is and the end. It was almost beheaded. Yeah. This is all you're getting. 
That would have been a great way to end the movie. He gets beheaded, and that's why there's no part two. Well, that's that's why he was on the stage with the French. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Do you think the original ending was? Nah, he dies, but someone's come along going. Oh. I prefer the miracle ending. You like the miracle ending? Yeah, okay. I do. I, I think it's I think it's quite lovely. It's a very upbeat film. I, th- I think it's a it's um, as much a farce, uh, or more more of a farce than yeah than any of his other films that spring into mind right now. Um, I. I like um, I like the the spoofing of um, the the narrative structure and of the the treatment of of women throughout the years. I thought that that joke was was played uh, pretty well, um, but I think they did it better in Robin Hood Men in Tights because as you as you uh, brought up, Dean, um, the female characters there had more to say and do and mm. they were funnier and they were their own strong characters and their own writers as opposed to being mm. plot devices for the sake of a joke about plot devices mm. yes um mm. count de monet uh was count de money could originally have been played by john cleese he uh was there was like, a couple of times where i was like is that john cleese <laughs> yeah I, I i do i do that with a lot of old films <laughs> to be honest but um yeah, John Cleese was uh, was originally approached to play that part, but uh, was unavailable scheduling conflicts, so they brought in Harvey Corman. I do agree. But I think John Cleese could have been quite good there. Yeah, yeah, they both would have been fine. Um, yeah, he would have been good. Mm. I could see him chipping his tooth on a statue, mm. trying to trying to kiss uh, Mademoiselle Rimbaud. Yeah. Mm. But uh, there's something just about Harvey Corman that's yeah, just he's great. eminently watchable. Favourite joke, Dan, go. Oh... The one which made me laugh for a long time, um, it encapsulated the feel of the film, um, was when one of the Roman soldiers catches up to Mel Brooks' character and uh, um, chops uh, Mel Brooks's cardboard um, sword and shield in half and then goes to chop his head, goodbye head! And Mel Brooks says, hello balls! And kicks him in the balls. And look, it's, not a, it's not a smart joke. It's not saying anything. I think it's funny. I have two. Uh, One is um, Oedipus going, hey, man. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) Oh, that was like... Because I love jokes like that where it's like you don't realise that the, the... Initial joke is a setup for the secondary. Yeah. yeah. So, because I thought it was just like, oh, I get it. There's a blind guy. He's Oedipus. Like, we we know the mythology. Yeah. And then you don't. When it came along, I was like, yes. Yeah. So um, the other one though, and again, it goes back to the fact that Madeleine Kahn is in this film and is just the best oh, well, thing in this yeah. film. Uh, is just um, when Josephus is being the wine server and goes, "Say when, eight <laughs> thirty. Yes. Uh, that was nice. Yeah. Uh, look, I think I've already mentioned it at the risk. I will mention two. There was one that I liked, and it was um, the Roman guard, and he's kind of second in command. Uh, and there was just one point where, and it was a comedic word. It was funny how they did it. It was just, it was just a mmm, and then his guard just kind of goes mmm, and in unison. <laughs> and it was such a subtle, random thing, but it yeah. made me chuckle. And I always love little little ones like that mm. that just immediately let you know like okay we know this character relationship based off a silly little sound mm. um mm-hmm. and that and uh the uh the annual orgy uh slash feast um first serve first come yeah first um, yeah that worked. That's, that's, that worked it's great you also really liked the uh, very shouty guard that was with uh, the empress's chariot <laughs> i was just I was more taken aback at they at that they gave him two close ups mm. to yell something that I don't know if it actually added to anything or if it was even necessary. Mm. I just I don't know. It was, I was a bit like, what? What's that thing here? Maybe it was filmed on a different day. 
Possibly. Maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. It could have been one of those ones where someone came in and said, that's not clear enough. The final bit of trivia. Uh, the Spanish Inquisition musical number was shot at Paramount Pictures in a stage formerly owned by Howard Hughes. The swimming pool was installed for Hughes's personal use. Wow. <laughs> what is he doing it? Uh, I think he just got like 12 nuns. Yeah, and, uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, that yep. sounds like Howard Hughes. Yeah, just got them all to do some synchronized swimming. Yeah, that's what you do with them. Mm. Wow. So, <laughs> let's score the film. Oh, okay. Because, uh, you know, we score these films out of 10. And I'm, I'm willing to say, you know, this film I did pick because... It's the birthday edition, and I, right. I I have enjoyed this film a lot, and I enjoyed it watching it this time. But feel free to score it as high or as low as you feel it's worth. So no pressure is what I'm hearing. I, absolutely no pressure. Yeah. Okay. I uh, and and as you, Dean is the other person who hasn't seen it before, you get to go first. Oh no! Don't make me go first. Okay, Dan, you get to go first. All right. Um, well, I I really like the film. Um, I think I have liked it more in the past before I could understand half the jokes because I just liked the flashing lights and moving sounds. I don't know. Um, I, uh, yeah, the rewatch, I, I definitely enjoyed it, um, but I felt the pace a lot more than I have in the past. Um, and yeah, uh, a few things just stood out to me as maybe a bit too self-indulgent. I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's just not aged all that greatly. So I'm going to give it... Um, I was mainly stalling to f- think of a good um, rating system to value it. I'm going to give it uh, 7 out of 10 buckets of piss. Good. I think buckets of piss is a, is a good measure of this <laughs> film. Dean, what score are you giving it? I'm probably somewhere the same as you, Dan. Um, I have never seen it before, so I think in many ways I don't have that kind of... Um, previous nostalgia um i will say there were some great moments in it not every joke lands but that's any comedy um i agree it was a little self-indulgent at times especially uh with that whole um audience sorry the author insert character you know what i mean it was like there was a few moments you're like okay mel but then that's not the end of the world because if he's having fun you're having fun uh i'm gonna say six and a half six and a half maybe seven chase ending giant joints <laughs> uh, for me look I, I have loved this film for a, for a very long time this, this is the first viewing where I've, I've watched it and gone oh, there's, there are some problems with it though uh, and so that, that does knock some points off it for me but it just makes me so happy to know that this film is just it exists yeah. mm, it, is, yeah. uh, it, is, it is very lovely it's, it's extremely silly it's got Spike Milligan with a five-minute cameo. It's just, it's right. it's just got so many wonderful things. You know, you you put you put so much comedy talent there, and even if there are bits which it does feel a bit bloated in parts, it does feel as though it may be running a bit too long. Not all the jokes land, but I think enough of them do. Um, I just, I I really really enjoyed it. I will say that more than anything else, it looks like they're having fun in this film. Mm. And I personally believe, especially when it comes to comedy, uh, that if the people making it are having fun, you have fun with them. Yeah. And so that came through yeah. constantly. And so for that very reason, I'm going to give it eight 
Treasure baths! (laughs) (laughs) Have this washed. (laughs) But that brings us to an end of this episode. Uh, Dean and Dan, thank you very Uh, much for joining me. Happy birthday, Stephen. Oh, thank you. Should we sing this song? Yes. No, 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 no. Not that song? No. Happy birthday, Stephen. Thank you, Dean. And thank you for listening at home. If you would like to download more episodes, uh, you can go to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Uh, We are on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, any of those podcasting or podcatching services. You can just locate us by searching for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. We're on Facebook. Just, you know, drop us a message there. Say hello. Suggest some films. uh, Whatever you want to do, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. And we're also on Patreon. If you want to become an official member of the club, uh, you can find us over at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. But that's all for this week. So until next time, let's end this podcast (laughs) on a high note. Okay. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. It was, like, <laughs> it was either going to be that or eight. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Quick time. (laughs) Much. I love quick time.